Are you ready for the word today? I want to bring a message of encouragement uh, to you this morning. Is there anyone here who's ready for a good dose of encouragement? I'm sure we all are. Most of you know that I have spent pretty much all of my life in the field of music, so it really should come as no surprise at all to know that uh, I have a deep, deep love for the book of Psalms. I love the poetry. I love the musicality. I love the rhythm of the book. I love the vulnerable exploration of the depths of the human soul. All that stuff appeals to the musician that's within me, uh, complete with every known emotion that's imaginable. I love the book of Psalms. That all, all those come together to add great and bring great intrigue for me for, for that book. When Becky and I came on staff here uh, at Bethesda in May of uh, 1910, um, <laughs> May of 1978, I almost immediately began putting together simple choir arrangements for our choir. I was the music pastor under the leadership of of Pastor Des Evans. Um, The reason I began putting arrangements together, it it wasn't because I had some overwhelming aspiration to be an arranger. I'm not even sure I knew what an an arranger was or what they did at that time. Uh, It wasn't because I had a clue how to do that. I, I, I did not. There was one very simple reason why I began arranging music. It was because at that time, there was absolutely no budget available in the church budget to buy music for the choir, and yet we had a choir to sing. If they were going to sing anything the following Sunday, then I'd be, better be putting it on paper somehow. So that's, that's why. Little did I know that that would lead to a 40-plus year career in arranging and orchestrating, and that's how it all started for me. Those of you who were in the choir at that time, uh, and there's, a, there's a, a number of you left, will remember that something was happening uh, in that particular era, late 70s or early 80s, in, in terms of music in the church. Um, we were just beginning to put scripture to music. Up until that point, there had been, uh, we had hymns, thank God. Uh, we had gospel songs. Uh, We had a lot of testimonial songs. We had a lot of songs about heaven. But the whole genre of music that is today known as praise and worship, which many of you may think has been around forever, as a musical genre was just really birthing at that time. In fact, I remember it was a couple by the name of Dave and Dale Garrett from New Zealand who put out a little spiral-bound turquoise book called Scripture and Song. And what was unique, it sounds crazy today, but what was unique was they were some of the first to literally take exact passages of Scripture and, and put it to music. So that's, that was what was beginning to happen uh, in that particular period of time. Well, that being the case, and the fact that we really didn't have any money to buy any music, I had to do something. It was very natural for me to gravitate toward Uh, one of my favorite psalms to design a choir arrangement. So I did so, and with great fire, uh, fire that matched the bright orange robes that our choir was wearing (laughs) with the yellow stoles, 
with great fire and energy that reflected their love for the Lord, this choir passionately sang the arrangement that I put together to Psalm 27. Some will remember it, some may not. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? We sang it and sang it and sang it, and, and the song still goes to my head on certain times. So that's where I'm asking you to go with me in the Word today. If you would take your Bibles. By the way, anybody bring a paper Bible with you today? Wave it at me. Three. Three. Okay, great. Four. There's a couple in the balcony. Great. Wonderful. If you'll open to the middle of that Bible and go to the book of Psalms, Go to Psalm 27. I'm going to give you just a second to find it. And those of you who are doing it on, on device, you've already been there since I started. You probably were there at the beginning. Did it quickly. And I'm going to ask you to do what I always do. Would you stand? And we're, I'm going to have you read the first six verses of Psalm 27. The first six verses. Now, you already know that I'm asking you to read with great fire and energy. I don't like this wimpy reading thing. That doesn't work for me at all. But also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it just a step further today. I'm going to ask you to read every sentence, every phrase with intentionality and, and with a sense of anticipation that God, through his word, is going to bring great encouragement to this house today to us as, as a people, as a church fellowship, and to you as an individual, every one of us, that God will do that as we honor his word today. So don't just skip through it. I want you to read every phrase with intentionality. In fact, I'm, even gonna, I'm gonna pray before we read. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. It's still a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We're opening your word today to see what you are saying to us. Lord, my own heart is, is, is bursting with desire for the people of God to be encouraged, to find encouragement for their faith to be built up, for us to be edified as a people. So as we open your word today, speak to our hearts through every word that you've given us. And I say it in the name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen. how many of you believe God can still speak to us through his word? Okay. All right, here's, this is a little over the top. I, I know I have that that propensity, a little over the top. I'm going to conduct you through this, okay? And this just hit me this morning because I was reading through Psalm 27 again because I know what's burning in my heart to uh, unpack from this psalm today. I, I just I had a little bit of a concern. I thought, they're just going to read through it. They're going to just skip through it. But I, at least for part of it, I'm going to give you a little bit of direction because I want you to read the line and then have a selah moment. You know what that means. Just think about it just for a second. Think about it and how it has applied to you through your Christian journey or how it could apply to you based upon where you are now. So let's do it together and let me hear you. Here we go. Think about that. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was a stop. Think about that. What do you have to fear when the Lord is your light and your salvation? Let's go on. The Lord. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Going on. With 
hallelujah. Verse 3. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. And here it is, verse 5. I'm sorry, when? We're going to be talking about that, and you're going to be dancing before we're done, okay? At least rejoicing, some of you. All right, here we go. Verse 6. Oh, there needs to be a shout of hallelujah in this house this morning. Just for the truth of his word and the encouragement in his word. And I'm sure you've heard this, but the grass withers and the flower fades. But here, all the flowers have faded at our house in this heat. But the word of our God shall stand. Hallelujah. Be seated. The title of my message today is Promises of the Secret Place. Promises of the Secret Place. I'm praying your hearts are going to be encouraged. When I need strength when I need uplifting, when I need courage to make it through another week, that's where I go. I go to the book of Psalms. For every shifting mood, for every emotional trauma, for every difficult issue in life, one can find an answer, an antidote, if you will, in the book of Psalms. The Psalms reads like a diary of young David and old David all rolled up into one. There are imprecatory psalms where David is asking God to smite or destroy or kill his enemies. There are psalms of praise. There are psalms of lament. But each one of them contains a powerful word for those times when your soul needs to be encouraged. When, as David said, why so downcast, O my soul, hope thou in God. That's why we go to the, to the Psalms. So right at the onset of this message, I wanted to engage in a little exercise of encouragement for us this morning. I'm going to present a medley to you. Most of you, whether you are musical or not, will probably know the meaning of the word medley. You, you know what a medley is. A medley is a diverse assortment or a mixture typically of short musical pieces. You don't get the whole song. You get a little part of this song and a little part of this song and a little part of this song and you mix it all together and you come up with what we call a medley. Just recently, we conducted a funeral 
where the family in the funeral planning session, they requested 10 or 12 tunes to be sung at the funeral as all of the songs were favorites of their deceased loved one. Well, we did our best to say 10 or 12 tunes is not a funeral, that's a concert. (laughs) And they understood that, but they wanted what they wanted for the sake of the memorializing their loved one. And so rather than simply asking them to just pick their top three or four, uh, you're going to have to be happy with that. Instead of picking the top three or four, Pastor Brent brilliantly put all of their requested songs into about three different medleys, therewith accommodating their requests. Give it up for Pastor Brent. He did a great job, and it was wonderful. I have a medley this morning. You can relax, I'm not going to sing, okay? A medley of favorite psalms for which I'm praying that even in the simple reciting or quoting of these psalms, they will speak a word of comfort to your soul as they, they do mine. It may be because uh, just the words themselves speak to your situation where you are today. Uh, and it may be because you've known some of these that I'm going to uh, quote uh, and, and read to you. You've known them through your whole life, and they have had ex- extreme meaning at various points uh, of your life, because the goal is that we'll all be edified in this. Now, you're welcome to join me. I'm going to read them. You're welcome to join me or react as you will, whatever that is, if these psalms bless you as they, they do me, for it, it truly is the word of the Lord which shall stand forever. Is there an amen to that? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You need to be shouting by now. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. And you certainly know this one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not... He makes me to lie down. He leads me beside the still waters. Come on, say it with me. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You prepare a table before me in the presence of God. You anoint my head with oil so that my cup's just running over. Surely. Bless the name of the Lord. Oh, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the, the waters. So lift up your heads, O you gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? It's the Lord 
strong and mighty. It's the Lord, mighty in battle. Somebody give a shout of praise. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that he is the Lord, that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. For I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Somebody say hallelujah today. But ranking right up there at the top of my list of psalms is our text today. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And because of that, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, when they plot against me, when they are placing traps for me, when they try to dig a ditch for me, when they talk and smack about me on social media, when the wicked, even my enemies and foes, came against me to eat up my flesh, just before they got to me, they stumbled and fell. So walk through the text with me, please, this morning. To the believer, God offers us some great promises and assurances. And I find them right here in these first six verses of the Psalm 27. The first one that I notice is that we have the promise of personal guidance. Would you say that? Let me read the same Psalm or at least a couple of verses of it and let this put a new slant on it. The Lord is my light and he's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Oh, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and they fell. You have the promise of personal guidance just for you. Not just guidance of others, but not for everybody else, but guidance for you. It's true for all of us, but it's especially true for the young people who are here today. And I want you really to listen to me. Young people, get off your phones, put it all away, 
And just for a few minutes, listen to me, because I have prayerfully crafted this for you today. Many children, teenagers, are born and raised in the church. Who's that true of? It's true of me. If you were born and raised in the church, I don't mean you were physically born in the building. (laughs) But so those of us who are good church kids and maybe not so good church kids, they learn how to behave. We learn how to behave in church. Uh, church kids, they learn the Bible stories in church. They hopefully learn to memorize Scripture. By the way, if you're looking for something to memorize, our medley this morning would be a great place to start. But church kids learn to memorize Scripture in church. They, they learn to pray in church. They, they, they learn to to sing in church. In fact, I've had many conversations with uh, the professional studio singers that I, I work with, if you look at the ones who have risen to the top in these most recent uh, talent shows like American Idol uh, and The Voice and, and whatever else is there, you know where the ones who got to, you know where they learned to sing? In church. They were brought up probably in a choir someplace or at least a, a leading worship someplace. Lots of them that's happened. The best ones are the ones who learn to sing in church. In fact, the church can be the place of development for for many skills, from the arts to uh, every aspect of service. Becky and I both learned to play the piano in church. Children learn the many aspects of worship from being in church, like singing with the congregation. Uh, We didn't have a choice when I was a kid. You better sing, and you better sing out loud. Uh, you learn what it is to, that we lift our hands uh, unto the Lord. We learn that in church. We learn shouting unto God with the voice of triumph. Uh, we learn clapping uh, unto, unto the Lord. But for most church kids, it all starts because mom and dad, or possibly grandma and grandpa, were solid believers and faithful to the house of God. And there wasn't really a choice about going to church. How many of you had a choice about going to church? It certainly was no choice in the house I was raised. I don't recall anybody ever asking me how I felt about going to church today. (laughs) Nobody ever asked me that. In fact, they never even asked me if I was going to church. That wasn't a question. We went to church. You probably heard me say this, you know, lots. I, I was involved in, in uh, helping with the music and playing and from the time, uh, directing choirs from the time I was 12 years old. And I remember being 13 or 14 and waking up and saying, Dad, I, I, I'm sick today. I don't feel good today. You know what the answer was? Great. Go to church. God will heal you. <laughs> Get your clothes on. I'll put a bucket beside the piano, but you're going to church. That's just the way it was. It's the way I was raised. There, there wasn't an option. There was no choice about it. And, and, and the reason for that is my dad had long since decided that as for me in my house, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be faithful in our service to God. But parents, the reality is this. You only get to control that choice for a certain number of years. Hello. And I know you're praying, you're investing, you're teaching them the way of the Lord, but the day must come when, you're, when the, for your child the ownership of and responsibility for their spiritual well-being is upon them. 
That's tough to hear, and I know you'd like to control it all the way to the grave, but you and I both know it doesn't work like that. Young people today, if you're under the sound of my voice and in the house today, you too will stand alone before God one day and give an account, and they will check the records to see if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're not going to be able to say, well, my mom and dad took me to church. Um, I sang in the children's choir. Does that count? Uh, Pastor Dan dressed me up in a shepherd's costume at Christmas. I was so embarrassed. And I sang really, really loud. No, young man, young lady, teenager, child, if you're in the room today, no matter how much your mom and dad love you, no matter how much they have invested spiritually in your life, and you need to thank God that they have because you are blessed, there must come a time in your life that transference of faith where you are not standing on the faith of your mom or your dad or your grandparents, but rather you've made the decision that you are going to follow Jesus all the days of your life. You are committing to the kingdom of God. You have a personal relationship with Christ that is not dependent upon your parents. Am I right about this, church? And when you do, young person, you will discover for yourself the personal guidance that your pastor is talking about this morning, where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt it is so written on the walls of your heart, it is so registered within you that the Lord is your light and he's your salvation. Therefore, you have nothing to fear. The Lord is the strength of your life and you have no need to be afraid of anyone. If you've not already learned this, and I hope you have, I can promise you that the day will come when you need the Lord to guide you personally. Your relationship with Christ is yours, and that means the worship that you offer unto the Lord is yours. No one can make you clap your hands. No one can make you lift your hands unto the Lord. No one, you may be shy about that or embarrassed about that, don't want anybody to see that. Once you have an encounter with Jesus and you realize he's forgiven you of your sins and he can give you life and joy abundantly that you've never known before, you will want to clap your hands. You will want to lift your hands. You will want to say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Only you can do that. You are in control of that. But when you, have, when you know that you have a personal God who died for your sins, who's proven his love for you, and you learn how to recognize how God has cared for you, protected you, guarded you, provided for you, opened doors for you, made a way where they didn't look like there was a way, then nobody will have to tell you to worship the Lord. You will do it because you love him. Doesn't matter what the preacher says. Doesn't matter what the worship leader says. You'll just respond with a heart that wants to thank God for his goodness and his mercy to you. Am I right about it, church? I want everyone to repeat after me. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. And because he is my light, I ain't scared of you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I ain't scared of you. Now, I told you to say five words, not start a whole conversation. It's right here in the text. Whom shall I fear? 
Your enemies can't do you any harm because the Lord is your light and your salvation. Will you just listen to this pastor for just a minute here? I've learned that it makes no sense for the believer to stay up worrying about who's out to get you. I've done that. You're not going to stop people from disliking you. Becky tells me that all the time. You can't do one thing about what they say or infer about you on Facebook. You can't. If they want to spread rumors about you, I hate to tell you this, there's not a thing you can do about it. You can get mad, but let me give you some, I think, great advice in light of our text today. Just go get in your car and look on the passenger side mirror and realize that God is on your side, whether your enemies, whatever they're doing. And whoever tries to come against you, just look in that mirror on the passenger side and find that little writing at the bottom which assures you that God's beside you, in front of you, behind you. He is surrounding you. When you get in your car, if your heart is feeling heavy and you're struggling through the day, if you're feeling like all kinds of bad stuff that the enemy is trying to put on you, just read that writing that's on the bottom of that passenger side mirror. It says this, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. It may not look like God is on your side. It may not look like the devil. It may look like the devil is going to get the upper hand. But the Lord is closer than he may appear to you right now because of the way you feel. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, which means you have no need to be afraid of anyone. I've talked to the young people. Let's see if this verse applies to the over 50 crowd. God will give you strength in your senior years. Do I have a witness here today? So that you are stronger in your 60s and 70s than you were in your younger years. I'm not saying you felt better. I'm just saying you're stronger. You want to know why? Because you've got more sense now than you had back then. You understand a few things a little better now than you did back then. That's why David said, I was young, but now I am old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed out begging bread. To all of us in uh, the demographic I'm speaking of, God's going to keep you. He will protect you. It's, it's personal guidance for you. He will guide you. He will give you strength when your hair turns gray or falls out in the case of Pastor Vic. I'll pay for that. When I was, um, I was a kid in, uh, oh, I think it was like upper elementary, maybe early middle school, somewhere around there. Every summer, I spent a few weeks with my paternal grandmother and grandfather who lived in a different city than they did. They were, they were actually in Independence, Missouri, the home of President Harry S. Truman. And um, my folks may have been pastoring somewhere else, but they would always, t you know, I thought it was just a great thing to go be with my grandparents. I later realized my folks were just trying to get rid of me for about three weeks, just, just get a break. And so, but I would go spend some, quite a bit of time. And I used to, my grandmother was little but mighty. Anybody have a grandmother that was really feisty? She was little but mighty, let me tell you. She could handle you, me, and the rest of the church with one hand. 
But I used to laugh at her because she would, she would forget things. She'd be looking for her eyeglasses, and she had them on. And I would just fall out laughing at her, you know, about all that. And she would say, yeah, Danny boy, you just keep living. That same dog that bit me is going to bite you too. And here I am on the sunny side of 60, whatever that is. And I find myself looking for my car keys, and they're in my hand. I walk in a room to get something, and I say to myself, now what did I come in here for? Can anybody over 60 help me here this morning? Am I talking about you too? Becky could be looking for her cell phone and it's ringing in her hand. (laughs) Yesterday. (laughs) Where is my phone? You mean the one ringing in your hand right now? Looking for my eyeglasses and I have them on. But I tell you what, church, when my soul gets weary and my eyes are full of tears, God comes right along beside me because objects are closer than they appear. Comes right alongside to give me strength because he is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when the wicked come against you to eat up your flesh, you surely know by now that there are plenty of wicked folks running around Tarrant County. Some of them even end up in church. (laughs) But you don't have to stay up at night worrying about how they're going to set a trap for you because the psalmist says this, He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. That ought to bless somebody today. So this pastor has determined that since God is already up all night, I'm going to say my prayers, lay my head on my pillow, and in about 90 seconds, I'll be sawing logs. Why? Because as a believer, I have the promise of God's personal guidance, according to the text. But I see in the text that the psalmist moves from personal guidance to powerful guardianship. This is the second promise that we have. It's right here in the text, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's a whole study right there, that word inquire. I'm, I'm skipping past it today, but I'd love to explode that sometime. And here it is. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. He hideth my soul. Oh, I want to sing that song, but I won't. Let me tell you what David had in mind with this word pavilion. It was that the host of Israel, the armies of the Lord, were encamped wherever they camped to fight their enemies. The soldiers were all around in in their tents. They were alert, waiting for a word from the king. And in the middle of all those tents was a pavilion where the king slept. So that if the enemy came by, uh, he'd he'd have to get through the hosts of the army to get to the pavilion where the king slept. And so what the psalmist is giving you today and giving me is the powerful guardianship we have because 
what we have, the promise from God we have is that when trouble arises, you can say, I belong to the Lord. And he hides me in his pavilion so that by the time they get to me, they've already been taken care of. Let me take it just a step further. That phrase, hide me in his pavilion, means he puts me away like a treasure so that no one who tries can get their hands on me. That's because, church, he's a guardian, he's a keeper, he's a protector, he's a provider. God is providing for you and me the best of shelter in the worst of danger. I'm going to say that again. I didn't put that on here, did I? God is providing for you the best of shelter in his pavilion right in the midst of the worst danger that you might be encountering. The enemy has to get past an entire army before he gets to you, according to the psalmist, because God has hidden you in his pavilion. Somebody say amen to that. There's one more thing to note about this pavilion. In the pavilion that God is providing are provisions. Uh, One commentary I studied says, and there's entertainment even in the pavilion. But there are provisions there. When you're in God's pavilion, you're eating like a king. Others may be eating whatever is rationed to them, but you... Because you have powerful guardianship and he's hiding you in his pavilion, you're eating with the king, beloved. You just need to understand how precious you are in the sight of God, how much he cares for you and he's guarding you. When he hides you in his pavilion, he will give you provisions that others know nothing about whatsoever. And they won't then understand why you appear to be so strong or why you are as happy as you are in the midst of what you're facing and and why you're so excited. It's because you're in the pavilion where God himself is making provision for you. Blessed be the Lord. So you know what? Let me just take a little side trail here for a second. My brother, my sister, that means you need to stop crying about what you don't have. And praise God for what you do have. So many of us have only eyes to see the trouble that we're in. We only have eyes to see the bad stuff that's happening all around us. And how the enemies are fighting. And she's talking about me. And he's doing this bad thing. We tend to get overwhelmed with that. That's all we have eyes for. Rather than seeing how God is providing so wonderfully for you. There's a few of us in this room this morning who need to remember remember that old song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. Count Your Blessings, See What God Has Done. Anybody remember that old song? My friend, you have someone looking out for you, and he has engraved your name in the palm of his hand. No devil in hell can get to you because you're hidden in his pavilion, and the hosts of armies are all around it. Because before the devil can get to you, he has to get past Jesus, and to get to Jesus, he has to get past God. For the Lord said, he that I hold in the palm of of my hand, no devil in hell can snatch them from me. Have you been delivered out of great perils? then you need to set up your ensign, that means your banner, 
Wait at the watch fire and let the enemy do their worst. You just chill out and let God handle it and take care of it. One last thing that I see in the text to point out to you this morning. Verse 5, the latter part says, In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. So just to recap, there's personal guidance. There's powerful guardianship. And finally, profound glory. Right here in the text. Let me, let, let me get, and oh, I, I want you to get this. He's going to hide you by putting you up on a rock. He shall hide me by raising me high upon a rock. He's going to hide you in plain sight. Huh. How blessed is the standing of the man or the standing of a woman whom God himself sets on high above his foes upon an, impreg an, an, an impregnable rock which can never be stormed. God will put you up where your enemies can see you, but they can't get to you. They know where you are, but they can't put their hands on you because he hides you up on a rock. The reason for that is because when God secrets you away, he gives you power to go back and fight your enemies. In the secret of his tabernacle, you read to me earlier, the tabernacle in the Old Testament was a secret place. It housed the Ark of the Testimony. It was hidden behind a curtain, hidden behind a veil. That curtain, that veil separated the Holy of Holies from the Most Holy. No one could go behind the curtain except for the high priest and, and then only once per year. Before he went behind the curtain, he took off his clothes to wash himself and put on the ceremonial ephod. And then he asked them to bring him two goats. Upon the one goat, he placed the sins of the people and released that goat into the wilderness. And that animal became for them a scapegoat. The other goat was slaughtered, and the blood of that goat was sprinkled on the mercy seat. The mercy seat covered the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the gold jar of manna that did not spoil. It was Aaron's rod which had budded. There was the stone tablets which God gave Moses in the, in the Ten Commandments. The priest would go behind the curtain once per year to absolve the people of their sin. But one Friday, on Calvary's cross, on Golgotha's hill, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, knocking out forever an intermediary so that every man now can go to God for himself. The songwriter said, I can go into the Holy of Holies. I can kneel and make my petitions known. And although I'm just a common man because of God's redemption plan, I can boldly approach God's throne. Who's thankful for it today? And so now, when God hides you, he, he sets you upon a rock, and he covers you with his blood. Hallelujah! What can wash away my sin? 
What can make me whole again? So to those of you today who are fighting battles of great intensity, I pray that you can walk out of this house with your head held high. You may have been ever so downcast when you walked in. Why so downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God. And here's why. I want you to remember this. The Lord is your light and he's your salvation. What do you have to fear? The Lord is the strength of your life. Of whom shall you be afraid? When the wicked come against you to eat up your flesh, when your enemies and your foes, they stumble and fell before they got to you. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. By the way, confidence is the child of experience. Your experience in God will give you confidence as you keep walking with him day by day. Confidence is the child of experience. That in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me up on a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the name of the Lord God Almighty. Stand to your feet and let's bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. Blessed be Jesus.